You're listening to an American Theater podcast. American Theater is published by Theater Communications Group, www.americantheater.org. Welcome to Offscript, American Theater's podcast on all things theatrical. I'm Allison Considine, the associate editor at American Theater Magazine. This podcast episode is sponsored by Audience Revolution, a program of Theater Communications Group, which is funded by the Doris Duke Charitable Fund. It's part of a limited series of podcasts dedicated to exploring education and engagement programs at theaters. In May, I visited Trinity Repertory Company in Providence, Rhode Island for the first time. Daniel Perkins, who is a resident artist of the company's Spectrum Theater Ensemble, led me on a special tour through the theater. The historic building, which was constructed in 1917, is centered by a rotunda that spans two floors and is capped with a stained glass dome. Daniel pointed to the show posters on the stairway, citing the actors' names and production dates from memory. He then showed me the newly renovated 250-seat Dowling Theater and the 500-seat Chase Theater, where a performance of Ragtime would play later that evening. So what sparked the trip to Rhode Island? Over the past few years, I've been following the growing trend of theaters expanding their programming to become more accessible to audiences on the autism spectrum by offering sensory-friendly performances, or what some people call relaxed performances, and by having a greater representation of people with disabilities, both in the work and among the performers on stage. Sensory-friendly performances take into account the needs of patrons on the autism spectrum, dimming down lighting cues, sound cues, and allowing audience members the flexibility of moving around the theater or getting up from their seats. Trinity Repertory Company seems to be one step ahead of this trend. While many companies offer sensory-friendly performances for children's programming, Trinity Rep does sensory-friendly performances for all of its main stage shows. The theater also reaches out to other communities that may benefit from the sensory-friendly shows, such as veterans or elders. And the company works with the Spectrum Theater Ensemble, which is the group of neurotypical and neurodiverse theater makers who lead this sensory-friendly initiative and also serve as the ushers for the performances. Spectrum Theater Ensemble also commissions new works that highlight the experience of people with disabilities. It's a young ensemble made up of 20 to 30-year-olds who are both from the community and also from Trinity Rep and Brown's MFA acting program. The ensemble was founded in 2017 by Clay Martin. Through a TCG Audience Revolution grant, Martin worked with Trinity Rep's education department on the company's TRAIN program, which is Trinity Rep Active Imagination. The program offers both children and adult theater classes to improve communication and social skills. His work with the theater sparked the idea for the Spectrum Theater Ensemble. During my visit, I attended a reading of The Importance of Being, written by playwright Jeremy Camps. I sat with Trinity Rep staff members, theater professionals, and students in the Brown Trinity Rep program. We all gathered in a room above the Rep's offices and classrooms on Empire Street. There were 12 cast members from the Spectrum Theater Ensemble, all seated in a semicircle behind music stands for the reading. Camps' play was developed with the ensemble. The group played games together, shared stories, and had conversations about autism culture, all of which shaped the characters and stories. Before the reading, Camps shared some of his inspiration for the project. And I, I think that for me, probably, I believe that art is a form of community building. And sometimes I ask myself, 
if I look around some of the work and that I'm doing in front of that, like who is this really for? And is it really doing that? And so when, um, you know, is it connecting us or is it insulating us? And um, so when Clay asked me to do this project um, and uh, come from Brooklyn a few times over the course of the year to, to workshop it and develop it, um, it was a really exciting way to really walk the walk of, of building community, connecting community, and collaborating as a support community. The importance of being follows a family with two children on the autism spectrum. The show is all about how this family navigates all sorts of challenges, one of which just happens to be autism. Some of the comedic moments in the play are about social skills workshops, in which some of the characters on the spectrum practice asking someone out on a date, performing mock job interviews, and the character Graham, who's very verbal and very enthusiastic about musical theater, learns how to walk down the aisle as a groomsman. Perhaps the funniest moments in the show are with Graham's sister, Whitney. Whitney's nonverbal and dreams of being a stand-up comedian. She uses an iPad to communicate her witty comments and jokes, and it's pretty funny to hear a robot voice dryly delivering her 10-minute set. I'm looking forward to knowing you better. You seem, you're quite a dynamo, it seems. <laughs> Let me walk you to the door. I have a question for you. Are you giving me the job because you pity me? Pity you? No, no, uh, I'm giving you the job because you, you deserve it. That's what I thought. Usually pity pays more. <laughs> All of these social interactions were inspired by some of the cast's personal experiences in social skills workshops. The play also tackles how society interacts with people on the spectrum. In one scene, a grocery store manager gets upset when a young person on the spectrum is stimming or performing repetitive motions as a form of self-regulation on the floor in the dairy aisle. The play also confronts intersectionality within the neurodiverse community. One of the characters comes out as being gay in a social skills class, which mirrored some of the conversations that the ensemble had, since some of its members are gay. Uh, this is the one from earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if you're comfortable yeah. with me saying. Go right ahead. Um, about how people sometimes are like, wait, you're autistic, but you're gay. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know and, like one or the other. <laughs> I know, that's but, what I say. But that's, you're just being greedy, though. that's like the interesting thing. Is that After the reading, the cast gathered for a talk back with the audience to discuss the development process of the play and the experience of being part of the ensemble. Tracy Allard, who's been involved with Trinity Rep's train education programming for more than a decade, has greatly benefited from her involvement in the Spectrum Theater Ensemble this past year. I, um, I think for me this year's been pretty, pretty big within self-discovery. I think um, a lot of what I'm doing now is, is um, looking through my relationship as a person with ASD and theater as a medium for change and conversation. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of pieces that, I love pieces like this, because there's these little snippets of reality in them. And some of that reality is hard and painful and raw. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able, as a person with ASD, to tell those stories and to have that voice um, and to have people who are professionals who are willing to help us have that voice is huge. Mm -hmm. Castmate Teddy Little chimed in to share some of the ensemble's future goals. But I think a bigger goal that we're trying to do is to make this not such a special thing. Yeah. 
this doesn't need to be an outline. And, and yeah. um, stigmas with mental health and with any other kind of um, thing that like outwardly makes you different. It's it's the place theater has always been a place where voices are heard and most of the time it's a lot of old white men, their voices are heard. Um, and now, you know, it's time to hear from other cultures and from other perspectives. And so I think I would love people to go away and feeling like they learned something from autism and stuff. But I would also fucking love it if they would just go and enjoy a play. And After the talk back, the ensemble members took a quick dinner break before heading to Trinity Rep's Chase Theater to usher a sensory-friendly performance of the musical Ragtime. With the help of the Spectrum Theater Ensemble, Trinity Rep offers both sensory-friendly and sensory-friendly plus performances, which are both open to all audiences. The plus shows have more modifications to light and sound than a typical sensory-friendly performance. The house lights are kept half-lit throughout the show, there's a sensory play area set up in the lobby, and some of the backstage effects, such as Ragtime's confetti cannons, are brought in full view of the audience so that there are no surprises. At the sensory-friendly performance of Ragtime that I attended, an insert with information for neurotypical audience members was inside each of the programs. There was info and a glossary including different terms such as vestibular function, which is a word used to describe sensory overload. On the back of the sheet was a list of warnings that outlined lighting and sound cues throughout the show that might be overstimulating. Moments using strobe lights, gunshots, or those confetti cannons were listed in bold type in the program. And when they occurred during the show, red lights above the house would flash 20 seconds beforehand, allowing time for patrons to exit the theater if need be. As a neurotypical audience member, I really appreciated the information that was on the back of the sheet. It kind of outlined why audience members might be getting in and out of their seats throughout the show and explained the red lights that were flickering above the house. I will say, if you've never seen Ragtime, maybe don't look at all the cues on the trigger list. Because for me, as this was my first time, some of the gunshots and lines spoiled the plot. Regardless, the production was very moving. There had been a police shooting earlier that week, kind of hung heavy in the audience. And the characters in this in the musical went from modern clothes in act one to period dress in act two. It just seemed very timely. I have to say, I also really appreciated the warnings before the confetti cannons roared and the gunshots boomed. But seriously, as a neurotypical theatergoer, I didn't find the warning lights to be a distraction to the show. But how about the actors? I asked some of them after the performance if the red lights affected their performance at all. I think today went, uh, went perfectly. I don't know how to explain it. It was like I could hear everything from the back of where I was sitting or at least standing anyway, particularly because I love the way the lights were going off just at the right time. And plus, I thought the opening speech I had in mind eased the audience into what we were going for, so it made them into a nice, comfortable evening without making them feel like 
I'm, I'm being different at a performance. It, it made them people feel like, I don't know how to put it in words. It's, it's just so overwhelming right now, it's, especially with the music, because I think like it spoke to so many people tonight. I caught a few patrons in the lobby to hear their reactions to the show. I also liked with like the sensory, uh, sensory accessible, so then that way it warns you when certain things would go off. Um, and I think that's a great idea to implement the theater. Sometimes you don't know what's going to come happen, and sometimes things will pop up and be like, oh, and scare you and keep you from enjoying the show. I like them. Oh, I like the, um, some parts are like happy, like, like, um, romantic stuff. Yeah, I like that too. Like, um, yeah. I'm like a romantic person. As I was ready to call it a night, Members of the Spectrum Theater Ensemble convened in the lobby to plan out their next task. Gathering at the steps of City Hall the next morning at 5 a.m. to advocate for rights for people with disabilities. It's amazing how the ensemble has been moving the needle on issues in the community, both on and off stage. I also caught up with Clay Martin. I think the best example of what this company does and what they've become that you saw today is how not only were they able to give a performance of a piece that they helped create, but then they were able to lead the discussion and talking about it, and talking about themselves, and being able to reflect on themselves and how they see themselves in the characters and how they're different. And then go immediately from that into helping other people access theater who have other challenges. And doing that all in one day. I know, I can't, I, they're exhausted, yeah. I'm sure. And I would say it's the thing that we disproved the most, is that people in, uh, the disability uh, with autism is usually, or is actually in social interaction. So you see that, but also it's also perceived in being the ability to adapt. And I think you watch them adapt again and again and again throughout the day, as they've done since the entire time I've known them. Um, they adapted, they are the people that help other people adapt to challenges in theater. That's their job. So I'm very proud of that. I was really inspired by Trinity Repertory's efforts for inclusivity and accessibility. I really hope that other theaters that are interested in expanding their programming to have sensory-friendly shows will look to Trinity Rep's model of opening up sensory-friendly shows for all of its main stage programming. There are lots of other theater companies that are taking up the mantle and adding sensory-friendly performances to their repertoire. TCG's Audience Revolution program awarded a cohort grant to a group of theater companies across the United States who will be working together and with consultants to address accessibility and inclusivity needs. The theater is for everyone, and it's inspiring to see artists and activists do the work of making that ideal into a reality. For American Theater Magazine, I'm Allison Considine. Thanks so much for listening. Special shout out to our producer and editor, Kirby Pate. And thanks to the Audience Revolution program for sponsoring this podcast series. Don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out the October issue of American Theatre Magazine for more content on education and engagement. I'm Allison Considine, and I'll see you next time on Offscript. Script.